Uno, dos, tres. R.I.P. to the competition. I heard that they're coming for you. I heard that they're coming for you. I heard that they're coming for Hello, 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 and welcome to Three's a Crowd. I am your host, Ray Jones. I got the one and only Kelsey Nelson in the house. Kelsey, what's good? Hey, what's up, everyone? And I got my big man, James. James, how you living, man? What's good? What's good? We're here. What's up? Today is a huge episode, everybody. We are very excited about today's episode. Episode 15, we call this episode the Legacy Episode. We will be discussing a lot of different legacies in sports. Uh, This day in sports history, back in 1978, Denver's David Thompson and San Antonio's George Gervin dueled it out in two separate NBA games for the scoring title. Uh, Leading into the final game of the season, Thompson trailed Gervin by 14 points. Thompson ended the day by scoring an amazing 73 points against the Detroit Pistons, and Gervin finished with 63 points to beat Thompson by .07 points for the scoring title. They both came out pretty furious that day. Thompson scored 32 points in the first quarter quarter and Gervin scored 33 points in the first quarter so they really wanted that title really bad so we definitely want to make sure we point out that day in sports history also today marks the 20-year anniversary of Tiger Woods first Masters victory back in 1997. Kelsey. So now we're going to switch into big news and sports of course we have we wanted to start off on a positive note we have Green Bay Packers tight end Martellus Bennett he donated money to Morgan High School to help them purchase their class 3A state basketball championship ring so obviously huge congrats to them and we love that he's giving back it's sad that these players weren't able to even purchase their championship rings rings so great job to martellus bennett and also i want to transition to a new thing we're starting called crowd noise athlete of the week who is none other than the great humanitarian work done if you didn't know he was back in the tampa bay area this week as his work done charities they presented guess what guys their 155th home to a single mother with six children in St. Petersburg. So big congrats to work done for all the great work he's doing, and we hope the mom enjoys her new home. And really quick, I want to get back to a topic we discussed last week um, back in North Carolina with the HB2 bill. So recently the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, said that they wanted to hold the NCAA accountable on their promise to protect LGBTQ athletes and fans at its sporting events in North Carolina. So recently they filed record requests with 11 North Carolina colleges and cities to clarify LGBTQ protections at NCAA events. And last but not least, we want to end back in our nation's capital as four NFL players, Anquan Bolden, Dante Stallworth, and Malcolm Jenkins, um, and Johnson Batimoni spent three days on Capitol Hill at the end of March to see what they could do to fight for criminal justice reform. So we wanted to give you guys the big news happening in sports this week, and that's it. All right, but before we get too deep into the show, we want to make sure we have you guys interact with the show on social media using the hashtag Threes of Crowd Sports, hashtag Threes of Crowd. Also, comment and ask questions for our social media manager, Stephen Michael Thompson, is handling our social media feed, so make sure you guys are interacting with us. And we have some interesting comments. We'll make sure we get them on, on the show. Um, so we also have a very special guest today. Kelsey, you want to introduce our guest? I'm going to try to get him up on the line. Sounds good. So today we are very excited to welcome the one and only, the founder and CEO of Black Sports Online, Mr. Robert Latall, and we'll be calling him now. So big show. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Waiting for that special call. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Robert. How you guys doing? Glad to be on. Thanks for having me. All right. First, let me do your quick intro. We would like to welcome you to Three's a Crowd. Um, we know you just moved to Los Angeles, so what else have you been up to lately? Well, you know, uh, I, I did move to, to L.A. in uh, January, so uh, we've expanded out our entertainment division, so we're doing a lot more uh, movies and music, uh, things uh, like that, while also keeping, you know, people up to date with all of the, the sports news and uh, kind of off-the-field, off-the-court type of issues uh, as well. So just trying to expand the brand and, and give back to, you know, uh, to people and minorities uh, in the industry who are not, uh, you know, getting as much run as they should uh, in media, while also keeping a watchdog out for uh, those who may be saying things about athletes or entertainers or media that uh, may not be on the up and up. So, uh, you know, just trying to do our job out here. All right, thank you. We appreciate your contribution to the industry. Um, You ready to jump right into the show? Yes, sir. All right, let's get started with the top headlines. Real quick, we want to go back over to NCAA championship when we had number one UNC beat the other number one Gonzaga 71-65 last week. Uh, UNC's Joe Barry had 22 points. 
and Zags, Nigel Williams-Gross had 15 points. But outside of the game, we want to talk Roy Williams' legacy. As we all know, uh, there are three NCAA coaches tied at fourth all-time with three NCAA titles. Uh, basically, the question we put on Twitter was, which coach would you prefer to play for? We had UConn's Jim Calhoun, UNC's Roy Williams, and Indiana's Bob Knight. So, Robert, let me start with you. Which coach do you prefer? would you prefer to play for? Well, I definitely wouldn't want to prefer to play for, for Bob Knight because I don't like being screamed at and belittled uh, and possibly physically abused. So uh, he's definitely <laughs> out of the uh, – uh, would be out of the equation for me if I was, you know, going back in time and going back to college and actually had a, a decent 15-footer uh, back then. Uh, you know, I think Jim Calhoun is a, is a very good uh, coach. Uh, you know, I think if I had a, a choice, uh, I think I think I would go with Jim Calhoun. I, I just, you know, more of a East Coast guy, uh, you know, did, I would say, more with less uh, than Roy Williams. Uh, you know, not a knock on Roy Williams, but, when, you know, when you coach at Kansas, you coach at North Carolina, uh, sometimes the schools do the recruiting for themselves. Let's put it, you know, like that. I think bringing a UConn, uh, you know, not a traditional uh, powerhouse, not a traditional, uh, you know, basketball, you know, school, uh, and kind of bringing them into prominence, and, and I think it's something that uh, uh, I would look for as far as being something, you know, not as far as a long legacy, but starting, you know, my own uh, legacy if I was a player. So I think Jim Calhoun is where I would go, uh, but definitely not a knock on Roy Williams, uh, but definitely a knock uh, on Bob Knight. I kind of agree with you. I feel like Jim Calhoun would have been my choice as well. But we also have two other former basketball players on the team right now. So uh, let's go to Kelsey first. Kelsey, as a former basketball player, who would you prefer to play for? First of all, thank you for acknowledging my basketball skills. Right, You haven't done that. Um, on the show, so thank and you. And say for you that. were good. But I, I just <laughs> said you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna. I like your guys' pick, but I mean, I feel like I have to go with you know just what's happening now, and I'm gonna say Roy Williams and the really legacy that he's left um, at UNC and all the great things that he's done. He's won 816 games and counting. I mean, 17 regular season conference championships, nine Final Fours. I mean, the list goes on and on and on about what he's done. And I think Robert, you mentioned it. He doesn't really have to do. I feel like as much recruiting probably as other schools because UNC in, in itself is a basketball school. It's the pride and joy, really, of basketball, obviously, especially in the ACC. But 29 years, 66, I feel like he's not done yet. His legacy is still continuing. And just, there's just so many great players, um, you know, that can attribute their success to the great work that he's doing over at UNC um, with the basketball team. All right, James, who would you play for? Check it. I'm going with Rob on this one all day. I'll never, never will I ever, ever be able to play for somebody like Bobby Knight. I couldn't do it, man. I could I could <laughs> I could, I wouldn't survive. I wouldn't survive the first freshman year. I wouldn't survive my whole freshman year. But uh, I'll definitely have to go with Jim Calhoun because you know, coming from the East Coast, you know, look look who he he had on UConn. Like you know, he started he started a great transition, and him having Ray Allen, guys like that, like you know, the Big East was powerful. And you know, you remember the battle between Iverson and Ray Allen back in back in the Big East championship. So I would definitely would love to play for Jim Calhoun, and he gives you chances. And it's hard nosed defense. And right, right to the basket, attack the basket, and, and run. So I'm, I'm with Jim Calhoun on that. I would be at UConn in stores, Connecticut, as we speak right now, if he was still there. I definitely agree with James. Him and Bobby Knight might not have been the best match. It would have been another uh, Latrell Sprewell situation going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's switch it over to Tony Romo. You know, Tony Romo announced his retirement recently. Uh, he's retired after 13 seasons to become an NFL game analysis. Um, excuse me, game analyst at CBS. He was part of CBS's lead broadcast team with Jim Nance and Trey. Casey Wolfson. A quick recap of Romo's career. He had four Pro Bowls. He ranks number two in Cowboys all-time completions, number one all-time in yards, and number one all-time in touchdowns. So we asked the crowd, uh, based on Tony Romo's accomplishments, is he is his career overrated or underrated? So Robert, I'm going to send it to you first. Uh, but real quick, we had the, the Twitter poll come back. 61% say he was overrated. So Rob, what do you think about that? I, I think he's underrated, actually. I think sometimes when you play for the uh, Cowboys, everything is kind of magnified, positive and negative. Like, for instance, you know, uh, uh, if, you, if, if you just listen to Twitter or you just heard the chatter, you would think, you know, Romo was throwing interceptions like, you know, Jay Cutler, uh, you know, or somebody like that. But if you go look at the stats, you know, he had something like 294 touchdowns and only like 135 interceptions, something, you know, like a very, you know, very one-sided toward the uh, – the touchdown. So, you know, while I think, you know, he's more popular 
uh, because he is a Dallas Cowboy. Uh, you know, I don't think that he probably gets enough credit uh, for what he has accomplished. So it's kind of a gift and a curse. I guess if you could be overrated and underrated at the same time, I guess he would be a good uh, example of that. I, I've heard conversations: should he be in the Hall of Fame? I think you know, I, I, I you know, that part. I'm like, you know, I don't. You know, are we really going to start making it the Hall of Very Good? Because if if, if people like Terrell Owens is not getting in the Hall of Fame, you know, I can't see why someone like Tony Romo should be in the Hall of Fame before, say, a, a Donovan McNabb or, or someone you know like that. So I, I think he had a very good solid career. I mean, for some guy that wasn't uh, undrafted, that was undrafted, uh, you know, kind of third string and came off the bench, he has a lot to be proud of, but, you know, very similar to the, you know, if you're old school, very similar to Danny White, uh, you know, he comes in after, you know, pretty much Troy Aikman and he does well, but he doesn't lead the Cowboys, you know, to the promised land. So it's always going to be a part of it that, he, you know, he didn't get the job done. But I think he overall had a very solid career and was a little bit underrated by the majority uh, of people. You made a pretty strong uh, argument for Tony Romo there. So I'm going to go to James. James, how's your feelings on Tony Romo? I was waiting for you to go to me first. After Rob, <laughs> the people have spoken. The people have said he is overrated, and I'm with the people. Let me tell you why I'm with the people. This guy, all right, Tony Romo is a great regular season quarterback, and that's all he is, a great regular season quarterback. Like, Dallas Cowboys have not been to the promised land, never, with Tony Romo. And, and I don't know why he's he was even a quarterback for that long. He's like, he got so much chances for what? Like, like your collarbone is like – on ice, like all, like every every season, <laughs> like I, I'm done with Tony Romo. Um, thank you for a great regular season quarterback, and uh, that's all I have to say about him. Like Tony Romo is really like for real. Like never been. How many times has he been to the playoffs? Twice. Like, all right, well Kelsey, it's, th- it's tied one to one. Kelsey, where you like, at? I'm I'm the tiebreaker. <laughs> And James has some really harsh words, but I mean, I'm going to say this. I feel like obviously it depends on who you talk to down in Dallas, you know, Tony Romo, he's the end all be all the Mavericks are going to honor him um, with a special night on Tuesday. They think he's the greatest thing. I think maybe that happened to football, some people down in Dallas, but I have to, I'm going to have to agree more with James. I mean, I think Romo, he's great during the regular season. He's had a crazy statistics and passing yards and touchdowns. He's broke franchise passing records. Um, but he just won two playoff games, you guys, uh, as a starter. That's unacceptable for me to put you um, with the all-time greats, even though, obviously, like I said, he has had great stuff. But if you can't achieve in the postseason and you haven't got to the ultimate victory and you're not able to host that Super Bowl ring, I just think I can't put you with um, the all-time greats because he didn't do stuff in postseason play. And I know there have been other great quarterbacks that also did not win Super Bowl rings. Um, one of my favorites, Steve Air McNair. Um, but Tony Romo, I just can't put him with the all-time grades. Even though what he did in Dallas, I will say, you know, hats off to him. Last thing. Kelsey, Rob, listen to this. It was over for Tony Romo when he started dating Jessica Simpson. Goodbye. The end. <laughs> James always brings people's relationships into two I got to. I got to. <laughs> all right. So, Robert, if you haven't realized it by now, James is the shade thrower. That is what James does. So uh, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> all right. So, this – uh, Let's transition real quick to uh, Russell Westbrook. You know, Russ Westbrook became the first player in 55 years to average a triple-double in a season. He's the first player since Oscar Robertson. Uh, he's currently tied with Oscar Robertson for 41 triple-doubles in a season. So we asked the crowd, how do you feel about Russell Westbrook's triple-doubles this season? Um, majority of the fans, 77%, said it was a great accomplishment. So, Robert, how do you feel about Russell Westbrook and his triple-doubles? Well, anytime you can do something that hasn't been done in 50-plus years and only been done once, uh, obviously it's a, it's, a, it's a great accomplishment. I think it's the type of accomplishment that you kind of saw coming, you know, when KD left. Uh, you knew he had that capability of, of putting up those type of numbers. And we looked at the team that was around him. He really didn't have much of a a choice. I, honestly, I'm I'm more surprised that uh, James Harden's season uh, than I am about uh, Russell Westbrook's season. I, I saw that coming. I mean, from the time that that KD was taking his talents to the bay, uh, I, I saw something big coming from Westbrook. And I think it was going to be you know thirty, ten, and eleven, or whatever it is. Uh, I actually tweeted about it. Said it's totally possible. So. I, did I think that James Harden would lead the NBA in assists? Uh, no. So 
And would the Rockets be the third seed, uh, you know, under Dan Tony? No, I, I didn't. I didn't believe that. So, well, I think it's a great accomplishment. And you, ha- I don't care, you know, what people say. You, you, to average a triple double uh, in today's NBA, uh, you have to be a uh, a very special player to do that, or would have been done, more, you know, more often. So he totally gets credit for that. He gets total credit for carrying a very a bad team without him. Uh, you know, into the Western Conference playoffs reminds me a lot of Kobe Bryant during the Schmush Parker and Kwame Brown years where he would drag them, uh, you know, to the playoffs. So in the end, uh, you know, Russ is going to keep having seasons like this, uh, but he's not going to win anything until either he gets some help or he leaves. So uh, nice statistical accomplishment, you know, nice personal accomplishment may end up being the MVP uh, but, you know, he's not going to win anything, you know, averaging a triple-double because that, that really means that you have a really bad team around you. Okay, what's your thoughts on the MVP race? I know you gave a little bit of props to James Harden. So uh, what's your thoughts? Who are you, who are you leaning towards on the MVP race? Yeah, I haven't changed. It's, it's, to me, it's been James Harden the, the entire uh, – pretty much the entire year uh, for a couple of reasons. First off, you know, he himself is almost averaging a triple-double. Uh, he's, you know, is more responsible for, you know, the points uh, that his team is getting, something like 25-plus, you know, from his own scoring and then 25-plus from, uh, you know, the assist. I mean, so he is pretty much running that team. And also I think this is an important thing, and, and it's something that I look at with, with players, especially superstar players, is when another a teammate plays with them, do they elevate that teammate to a higher level than what they actually are? You know, if you look through LeBron James's career, uh, he always has these teammates that are with other teams that are not that great, and then they come to him, and then all of a sudden they're, they're much better. You know, you take like a J.R. Smith or a Tristan Thompson or something like that. When he gets around them, uh, a Mario Chalmers, you know, they, they elevate their game. And with, with Russell Westbrook, I think his game is elevated. I don't think any of the people around him have elevated their game. That may not be his fault, but that's just the way I see it. Whereas James Harden is taking guys like Trevor Ariza and Lou Williams and have made them into, you know, these dangerous type of players that you probably don't want to see, uh, you know, in the playoffs. And I, I take that into consideration. So, you know, I wouldn't have a problem or, you know, think it's outrage or a robbery or anything like that if Russell Westbrook uh, won the MVP. I think, you know, he obviously has a case and people can make a strong case for him. But if I had to vote, uh, and actually I think I do have a vote now because uh, I've covered a couple of NBA finals, uh, I'm going to vote for uh, James Hart. Kelsey, let's go to you because I think we kind of know where James is on this side of the vote. So, Kelsey, <laughs> what's your thoughts? Sure. So, I mean, I think Robert explained it very eloquently, very well. Um, obviously, what, Russ, what, what Russell Westbrook is doing in OKC is tremendous. Oscar Robertson himself said he's the triple-double king, so no one's going to take that away from him. It's tremendous in today's game that he's able to do that, as Rob um, has said. But I also think Rob has said some great points. I think I feel like there should be a co-MVP this year, because obviously what Russ is doing is great. KD left. He kind of paved the way for him to be the lone superstar, obviously, because before he had to share all of his stats with Kevin Durant, and now he's out in the West. Um, but also what James Harden is doing with the Rockets and their team that I can actually see going pretty far in playoffs, I think has been tremendous. And his numbers have been huge. But obviously he's kind of getting overweight in the fact that Russell Westbrook was able to break records this year. But I have to agree, James Harden, I said it on Twitter, and people were like, no, Russell Westbrook, because he just broke um, Oscar Robinson's record, but still or tied it and probably about to break it. But still, uh, I think you have to do a co-MVP. Their statistics are just too close. I think, to go um, either way, and I think both of them deserve it this year for just the play that they've done. All right, James, has your stance changed on the MVP race at all? Um, my stance hasn't changed, but uh, to, since we're talking about statistics, and you guys uh, you said a lot of good statistics, let's, let's talk about the bad statistics. Russell Westbrook has uh, taken 386 more shots than anyone else in the NBA. He's also averaging uh, assist-to-turnover assist ratio. He's second in NBA in turnovers, and he's below average of three-point shooting at 34%. And he's below average field goal shooter at 42%. He falls on to 39% versus teams. So with that said, I get it. He's, he's doing a great. He's doing a great thing. You know, uh, having triple double is a tremendous, it's a tre- tremendous accomplishment. But it's too many other subsides to the statistical matter. So I'm still going with James Harden. James Harden has changed his game all around to to, to become a leader 
and he's leading his team, and, and they're in third place. Like you have to, if 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 to give it to somebody else, you you I would go co MVP, but it's it's most likely James Harden, and, and look what he's done this year. It's it's amazing, it's amazing, and Dan Tony needs to be uh, at least uh, coach of the coach of the year for that too. So oh, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Dan Tony coach of the year, interesting. That's the first time I've heard that. I don't really like Dan Tony, but you know I gotta give him that though. You know, as a former Knicks, as a as a he's a former Knicks coach. I can't stand Dan Tony, but that's just my personal. I try to I try to remain you know unbiased. But all right, let's move along right into the 2017 WNBA draft. So uh, as you all know, next week, April 13th, live in New York City, we'll have the WNBA draft. So really quick, we're gonna go over some of the mock drafts that have been released. The San Antonio Stars have the number one pick. They're projected to take Kelsey Plum out of Washington. Uh, Plum led the nation in scoring, averaging 31.7 points a game, which is an astonishing feat. It's amazing for someone to put up those huge numbers. Uh, At number two, we got Chicago Sky anticipated to take Shatora Walker-Kimbrough out of Maryland. At number three, we got the Dallas Wings expected to take Brianna Jones out of Maryland. Number four, we have the Dallas Wings also expected to take Alana Coates out of South Carolina. And then the San Antonio Stars, are anticipated to take Alicia Gray out of South Carolina. So we recently saw South Carolina in the championship, uh, Alicia Gray and Alana Coates. So let's start off with the beginning, Kelsey Plum. Robert, do you have any uh, thoughts on her going number one in the draft? People still watch the WNBA? I did not know that. <laughs> I, did not know, I did not know that. I did not know that. I, I'm with you, I, you, know, I'm with you uh, on that one, Robert. I'm with you on that one. A, a lot of people watch, you know, you kind of lose. Uh, you know that that maybe that's one of the problems. You know, you can't. I mean, no no offense to to UConn. I mean, if I could you know have a hundred plus wins or whatever in a row, I would be very happy with that. But when you got one team, you know, that's winning like you know a hundred games in a row, like something's off with your competitive balance. You know, it's it's interesting and unique, but it's not like you know something that okay, it, it it's one team winning all the time. The only time I'm going to watch is when they may lose, which is almost, you know, never. And I think that hurts the, the WNBA because, you know, if they're not UConn players, you know, people don't know who, who, who they are. I, I've been a big proponent of they, they, they need to revamp the entire way that they do the WNBA. I haven't seen one WNBA draft commercial. You're the first outlet I've heard talking about it, you know, ever, like this year. So, like, I wouldn't have known if you just didn't say anything. I thought you were getting ready to talk about Lonzo and LeVar Ball. I was all set up for that. <laughs> but I just, I, you know, it's, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, offensive to the young ladies because I know they're talented and they, and they do things. But if you think about it, you know, the biggest stars of the WNBA – uh, when they were in college, you know, people like Brittany Griner and, and stuff like that, they go to the NBA, the WNBA, and they just kind of disappear, uh, you know, unless they're having divorces and babies and stuff like Brittany Griner did. That's a totally different story. But the, the marketing of the WNBA has always been bad. They don't push it as much as they should push it. They don't create stars. And then they wonder why, you know, people are kind of indifferent, you know, about it, when in, in reality it's a pretty, you know, I've been to a couple of WNBA games, pretty fun you know, to watch. It's just not promoted well. So to, to answer your question, I don't think it matters, honestly. It, it just doesn't. It, this is not like the NBA. Uh, it's not like the NFL. It's not even like the M- MLB or hockey draft. Just people are just not that interested. And going number one or number five or number 25 really doesn't, you know, mean much as it does in the other sports. Ooh, that's a lie. I know he might have uh, lit a fire under Kelsey, so I'm going to let Kelsey go ahead and go first. Kelsey, what's your comment? <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Well, no, let me say this first off. I think what Robert is saying is very important. I think it's hard for WNBA fans like myself and people who cover it to hear. Um, But it's the truth and the fact that people don't know about it enough coming up. Like so many people I was talking to didn't know about it coming up. And it's sad because these are the same type of professional basketball that we see on the men's side, obviously just on the women's side. Um, But you said another good point, I think, when you said, unfortunately, after college, these players kind of get lost, except, like you said, I think Brittany Griner and Skylar Diggins, for different reasons, are probably two of the only players people really remember um, from recent WNBA drafts. But I do want to give them some love because what Kelsey Plum is doing uh, with the Washington team has been tremendous. And I want people to remember Kelsey Plum is five foot eight. I stopped playing basketball after high school because when I went to Maryland and saw all the girls over six feet, I just thought my career would be done. But she broke basically every record, um, almost every scoring record that there is 
um, in total for the NCAA. She's won basically every award you can win. She just became the John R. Wooden Award uh, National Player of the Year. She can do it all. I mean, she can drive to the basket. She can score from three. I think she's one of the more exciting draft picks that the WNBA has had recently um, to come. And I think she's going to do some big things in the WNBA. I hope she can help hopefully market her fan base from the NCAA over to the WNBA because I think that's what they're looking forward um, to her. But I don't think you can take away what she's done. I think if you give the men credit on their side for what they're doing in the NCAA, you also have to get it to the women. And what Kelsey Plum has done has not been done in a very, very, very long time. I mean, she's dropped 40 or more points multiple games. Like, it's it's crazy. Um, so well done to Kelsey Plum. As you guys know, I have to give Marilyn some love. Um, to Tori Walker-Kimbrough. And Brianna Jones, they broke a lot of records at Maryland. Um, and, of course, Maryland's women's basketball team has been good pretty much for the past uh, decade, going back to when they won their first national championship in the early 2000s. So looking forward to seeing what SWK, as we call her, Troy Walker-Kimbrough and Brianna Jones, uh, what they can bring to the WNBA. And Maryland women basketball fans, they're a large group, so hopefully those fans will also support them in the WNBA, as we've seen uh, Brenda Freeze's other WNBA picks um, have gotten their support, too, in the WNBA. Wow, that was a lot. That <laughs> was a lot. Was very passionate a lot. About... <laughs> <laughs> no, I knew you were very passionate about that topic, so I was going like, to let you go, get you go you know, off. I have to give but some I love her. I played the game. <laughs> and I definitely agree. I remember back when uh, WNBA first started, I was a huge fan. I, I liked basketball in general, whether it was women or men. So I was a huge fan, and I, I followed the games. I followed the players. But it seems like at some point it just kind of lost its appeal. I don't know what happened, what changed. Maybe because some of the older players kind of trickled off or fell off. Like I said, I grew up watching Dawn Staley, like I told you guys before. She's a hood legend. So I kind of when a lot of those older <laughs> players left the league, it seemed like there was a transition, and then the, the younger players didn't really carry the baton the same way. Uh, you know, Shamika Holdsclaw, Cheryl Swoops, those players like that. We all watched them, and we were big fans. But at some point, it just changed, and I'm not sure how they can fix it. I feel as though they have the the blueprint. Just follow what the NBA is doing, and they should be able to kind of follow that and just be able to market the teams, market the players. But for whatever reason, it's not working. And salute to us, Threes of Crowd and Kelsey, for having this be a topic on our show because, like Robert said, no other outlet was speaking on it. We were the first ones to do it. So salute to originality. Clap for Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Yay to us. All right, let's go ahead and transition now to the NBA playoffs. Uh, we got a, a huge, a heated race uh, for the eighth seed in both the East and the West. Uh, right now in the East, we have Chicago, Indiana, and Miami fighting for the last two spots in the playoffs. We have Indiana at number seven right now. They're up by half a game with Chicago right behind them. And Miami is tied with Chicago, but Chicago owns the tiebreaker. So for that division, or excuse me, for that conference, Robert, pick two of those three teams. We got Indiana, Chicago, Miami. Which two are going to make it in? Uh, probably Indiana and Chicago. The, the Heat have been struggling a little bit uh, lately. And frankly, the, the Heat, um, that's a massive surprise in the first place. Uh, Coach Spo. Uh, should get some consideration for coach of the year. I mean, Wade leaves, obviously, after LeBron has left. Uh, they don't have any star, you know, players. Uh, and, you know, they got off to a horrible start, you know, to the season. So just to be hovering around 500 and close to a playoff spot, uh, that's good coaching. I mean, sometimes it's the players. Like, you know, if you give me LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I can figure it out. You know, but when you are dealing with, you know, Deion Waiters and, and stuff like that and, and guys that are, you know, just known for dunk contests and you're almost at 500, that, that's, some, that's some coaching. That's, that's, so he gets some props uh, for that. But in the end, you know, superstars, I think, matter. Uh, when you have like a Paul George and now you have a, a, a Jimmy Butler and, and D-Wade is, is back, uh, I think they crawl – uh, those who crawl into the uh, into the playoffs, even though both teams, in my opinion, have been uh, very disappointing considering the talent uh, that they have on those squads, which once again kind of maybe goes back to coaching and, and being able to manage personalities uh, and, and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I, w- I would be interested to see the Heat because I kind of like the underdogs type of deal. But, you know, in the end, I think in these last couple of games, I think the fact that, uh, Indiana and, and Chicago have, you know, superstars or stars on their team is going to be enough to push them through. Between those two teams, which one do you see being a stronger threat to Cleveland at the number one spot if they meet in the playoffs first round? Uh, for nostalgic state, I, I would like to see the Bulls, to be honest with you, because, you know, you would have to wait and, and LeBron uh, and kind of, you know, rivalry, whatever you want to call it. 
as far as which teams would actually give them problems, I, I think the Bulls actually have, you know, more talent. And they, they do have a guy in Jimmy Butler, if, you know, he's a little inconsistent. Uh, but when he's on, you know, I think it at least, uh, you know, give some sort of challenge, uh, you know, to LeBron. I'm not a big Paul George uh, guy. You know, I think that maybe he's a little bit over, you know, hyped. And we talk about under overrated and overhyped. I think he's necessarily overrated. I think he's a little bit overhyped as far as I think he's a, a lower tier, uh, you know, out of stars, like not like in the, the upper echelon. So I don't think him, you know, by himself uh, could do it. Where I can see Jimmy Butler and maybe, you know, a healthy D-Wade, uh, at least, you know, maybe get in the game or two. But honestly, I don't, I don't, I still don't see anybody really bothering the, 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 the I was going to call them the Heat, the Cavs, uh, you know, in the East. LeBron takes a lot of, you know, rest time, you know, during the regular season. He complains a lot. He whines a lot. But in the end, he ends up in the finals almost every year. I don't think there's going to be anything uh, different uh, about that. All right. Well, James, what do you think about the Indiana and Chicago thing, Which, whether whichever one comes out with the eighth seed going against Cleveland? Uh, see, I'm rooting for Chicago to go against Cleveland. You know, just like uh, Rob said, like I want to uh, see, you know, D-Wade go at it with uh, the Cavs, LeBron James one more time, you know, for old time's sake. And I'm just happy that D-Wade is back, you know, to help out Chicago. You know, Chicago's coach, I don't think he understands what – you know, what he got with him right now. And I just think, you know, him transitioning from uh, Iowa State isn't really what he thought it was going to be, you know, being a head coach of Chicago. So I think, you know, Chicago squeaks in, so does Indiana. All right, Kelsey? I mean, they pretty much said it all, but healthy D-Wade, Jimmy Butler, hopefully uh, being more consistent, limiting the turnovers. And I want them to at least to give it to Cleveland. Yes, I agree with Robert. They'll get back to the finals um, in the East. But we want a good first-round matchup series. And Miami, I just don't think they have the firepower to – uh, clinch that, try to even get close to clinching that eight seed. So I think it's a lot for uh, Chicago and looking forward to the matchup uh, against Cleveland. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I feel like Chicago is one Cleveland injury away from actually beating Cleveland in the first round. I'm going to just put that out there. Once you started naming the names, I was like, you know what? They do have a pretty deep roster. They have the athleticism to match up with Cleveland. And it's not like LeBron is going to be able to carry them all by himself. He already was taking a couple games off for rest. So is he is he fully healthy right now? We don't know. But we do know Kevin Love is coming back from an injury. We know Kyrie has been a little inconsistent with a couple nagging injuries. J.R. Smith just came back not too long ago. So they're still trying to figure out their lineups. I feel like one Kyrie injury, sprained ankle, or one Kevin Love minor injury away, and they have Jimmy Butler to match up against LeBron. I feel like, I don't know, I just want to throw that out there. Maybe I'm a little crazy. Maybe I just want to see Cleveland lose. (laughs) Maybe I just want to see Cleveland lose, you know. know. But let's transition over to the west side a little bit. Uh, At the last seed, the the last seed we have is uh, Portland. They're trying to hold off the Denver Nuggets. Um, Do you guys, I guess, Robert, I'm going to let you go on that one first. You see Cleveland, I mean, I'm sorry, you see Portland taking that or you see Denver, and which one of them are going to have a chance against Golden State? Uh, Neither, but, you know, Portland is more (laughs) interesting, uh, you know, team, mainly because of – Damian Lillard and, and C.J. McCullough. Um, I, the thing about playing against the Warriors is that the games will be uh, exciting and, and fun and, and stuff like that. But normally, you know, most teams are going to lose. I mean, I mean, it, you know, they, they, they were up 3-1 on the Cavs, too. So this is not like a, you know, it's not like the Warriors are falling off the map or anything. And then now they have, you know, Kevin Durant. So, um uh, it would be a big upset if any other teams, you know, out of the West uh, were to, you know, upend uh, the, the the Warriors. Now, that doesn't mean it can't happen, but I don't think it's happening in, in, the, in the first round. If that was happening in the first round, that, that would probably go down as the biggest uh, playoff upset, you know, of all time because this is a team that's going to end up with, you know, 60, 67, 68, you know, wins. Uh, so it's not like they, you know, yeah, it's not like 73, but it's not like they fell off the entire map um, or anything. But it's always good to see. You, you want to see star players in the playoffs. So to see Damian Lillard, who I think at 59 uh, the other other night would be, you know, it's a more interesting, it's a better for TV uh, type of matchup. Maybe they get a game, eh, maybe they get two, but you know, I don't, I don't think they're any any threat, you know, to the to the Warriors. All right, well then I got a question. And so since that kind of that that matchup is a little one sided, let's go to another matchup that may be a little bit more closer, similar to the MVP race. We have, we know for sure that Houston is going to play OKC in the first round. I, I feel Houston has more talent, but they always have that Russell Westbrook factor. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, we, we've learned over pretty much the the history of time 
is that one player cannot simply, you know, beat a good team. Uh, so the for the war, not the war. Excuse me, for the Thunder to have any chance, the other guys, the Victor Oladipo's and, and and those guys would have to play well above what they've been playing uh, in the regular season. I think the last time the Rockets played OKC, you know, they beat them by like thirty. See, the thing when you have a, a an individual that is as talented as Russell Westbrook is from game to game, you know, he can carry you, right? You know, from from game to game. You know, maybe, you know, on a road trip or the back-to-back or something like that. He's done that for for the most part. But when you're talking, you know, four out of seven, and then the team that you're playing against is not worried about the next game or the next team or something totally else, they're totally focused on, like, how can we slow down this one guy? Because if we slow him down, then everything else, you know, falls. So while it wouldn't be, like, a a game-changing, you know, historical upset, it would be very odd to me to see, you know, Russell, uh, you know, go any any further than than the than the first round. I mean, I think he's had a great season. I think he's a great player. Uh, but we've seen it doesn't matter if you're LeBron. It doesn't matter if you're Kobe. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you, how great of a player you are. If they if you're a great player and you're put on a team with four scrubs. Uh, it's just not going to work out for you in in the long run. Uh, I think it's a tribute to LeBron's greatness that you look at some of the teams that he carried, you know, multiple rounds in the playoffs and got to the finals. Um, You look at those rosters and you're like, hmm, yeah, that shouldn't have went as far as it did. I think that's actually a a notch in his belt. So if Russell could, you know, win a series, uh, I think that says a lot about him, uh, but I just don't see it happening. Very interesting perspective on that. I honestly feel like uh, Russell Westbrook may be able to will them to two games or so, but like you said, if Taj Gibson and um, Oladipo don't step up, they're they're, they're in trouble. But um, we definitely want to we, – we thank you for your input today, and we want to say thank you on behalf of the entire Threeser Crowd Sportscast crew. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show today. And uh, any other last comments you wanted to make before you uh, leave? Well, I wanted to tell you guys, you know, you guys are doing a good thing. You know, I, I follow uh, – keep up with all of you guys and the type of work – uh, that you're doing, so keep on it. And we need more voices. We need more personality. We need more people that are keeping the perspective uh, from from our side. So the the media is fair and balanced. So I, I wish you guys uh, luck, and thank you so much for having me on your show. Feel free to come back on the show. Give us a call, text us, whatever you need to do. We appreciate your support. Absolutely. Thank you. No thank problem. You. Have All a good right. one. Um, we have our next guest who's going to be coming on the line, Georgetown Hoya alum. Uh, Mike Sweetney, I'm going to go ahead and get him on the line. Kelsey, go ahead and uh, run his intro real quick. Sure. So for everyone in the DMV area, you guys should all know this man. And then the NBA fans, we're very excited to welcome the one and only Mr. Mike Sweetney to the show. If you don't know, he played seven years in the NBA at Georgetown. He was incredible, averaging 18.2 points per game while shooting nearly 55% over his three-year career at Georgetown. I mean, he's won all the awards. Honorable mention All-American, Naismith College Player of the Year finalist, a candidate for the John R. Wooden Award. Um, he's set records junior year, top 20 in scoring and rebounding at Georgetown. So we're very excited to welcome my sweetie, since Georgetown has really been the talk of the town lately with the new hiring of Pat Ewing. All right, so let's get to give him a call. Hello? Hello, Mike Sweetney? Hello, yes. How you doing, sir? This is Ray from Threes of Crowd Sports, and we're on the line. I got Kelsey and James on the line with us. What's up, Mike? Yes, sir. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? All right, okay. sir. We just did a quick little intro for you. Um, you're in the big three, the uh, new three-on-three basketball league by Ice Cube. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. All right, hey, we're on live right now, so go ahead and take it away. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of that um, NBA three-on-three draft. It's, um, and, you know, a lot of the guys that, you know, pretty much somebody that I grew up watching and some of you guys might have we're watching and you know, just getting back together and having some fun and um, you know, playing three on three, um, going on tour in different cities. So, um it should be great. It should be great for the summer because, you know, a lot of times in the summertime there's not a much going on on T V sports wise. So I think it's you know, it's a great idea. A lot of news in the news lately, uh, Georgetown hired, you know, the one and only, the legendary former Nick and former Georgetown player, Patrick Ewing, to the team. So we put a Twitter poll up online asking our fans how long will it take Patrick Ewing to turn around the program and get them back into the NCAA tournament? Uh, we had about 50% say two seasons, 40% say three seasons. So I want to ask your opinion. How long do you take it to take Patrick Ewing to turn this program around? 
Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to take long at all. I mean, I think he's a guy that, um, you know, obviously played in the NBA and college level at a high level. Um, he sat, you know, people feel a rush. Oh, he's not a coach, but I'm like he sat on the NBA um, bench watching other coaches being a lead assistant coach for a number of years now. So I think he's, you know, it's it's just, it's his time to actually, you know, be a head coach and and run a team. So I don't think it's going to take long at all. You know, I, if he made the tournament next year, it wouldn't surprise me. So it's one of those things that, you know, I think he's going to get the most out of those guys and that he's going to push them and um, go from there. Uh, how do you feel about um, his coaching staff? Do you have any recommendations for who you think he might want to add to the coaching staff? Have you, have you gotten a call for to be added to the coaching staff? Um, I had I, mean, I had some people, like, kind of mention it to me, but nobody actually from the school contacted me about it. But it was just, like, conversations, like, throughout the time. Um, I was actually offered a job a long time ago when John III was there, but I was still playing ball overseas, and so I'm still kind of, like, on the go a lot. So right now I'm coaching. I don't know if that's something I'm ready to settle down and do right this moment. But um, with his with his staff right now, I think he has. I want to say I heard Lewis Orr and Herb Williams, um, are two guys so far that I've heard of. And uh, those are two high character, great guys. Actually, Lou Orr, I, um, he coached against me when he played. I think Seton Hall and Herb Williams. I played with him. I mean, I played. He was a coach when I played in New York. So those are two high character guys, um, honest, and he's going to get the best out of guys too. That's interesting, interesting. You said Seton Hall because we had our own Kelsey Nelson select Seton Hall to win the NCAA championship. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I think she's probably the only person in, in the USA that did that one. Exactly. <laughs> on Earth. You had a couple questions for him, so go ahead, Kelsey. I do. First of all, welcome to the show, Mike. Very happy to have you. You're our first guest from the DMV area, so you know I'm happy and I'm proud. I know everyone in oh, Austin wow. Hill, Thank you. you know, you're a true legend out there. I told you I grew up watching your stuff, and my dad, I told you he talks all about Georgetown basketball. But getting back to the DMV area, a lot of people here mm-hmm. have questions about, Will since Pat Ewing didn't play high school ball in this area, do you think he'll be able to go back to recruiting uh, kids from the DMV area to go back to the Georgetown basketball program? Um, I, I would hope so. I mean, because I mean, I think I want to say it's a stat that came out that was like DMV. Uh, this area, our DMV area, has like one of the best recruiting areas there are, like far as talent wise. Right. So there's so much talent that we have in here that's ended up, you know, going all over the place. Like Markel Folks, I don't know how he slipped out mm-hmm. of the DC area all the way to Seattle, Washington. So um, it is one of those things that hopefully we can find a way to get these guys, uh, you know, to stay home. And not even just for Maryland. I mean, not even just for you know Georgetown. Yeah, we would love to have them all at Georgetown, but just it's good for these guys to stay home and just, you know, you know, bring the talent back at home. That's what I would, I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. All right, James, I know you had a question also. Big Mike, what's up, man? Uh, I want to ask you, you know, uh, I know you're going to be entering into the uh, the Big Three draft. And I want to see, you know, it's going to be, a, it's going to shake up how we look at basketball. I want to see what's, what's your take on what's going to be the biggest impact the Big Three is going to have on basketball. Uh, I think the biggest impact is um, it just shows that, you know, some of the guys that people see retired, they can still play. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just, sometimes if people don't understand, you know, an 82-game 82, 82 season with the travel, you know, it takes a toll on your body. You see guys now that's younger, you know, 10 and 15 years younger, these guys that's playing in the big three, you know, having to take breaks. So imagine that's why a lot of these guys got to shut down. So, you know, three-on-three half court where there's not a lot of tax on your body one game a week, um, I think it's going to be pretty good. And I think it's going to bring a lot of excitement. I think, you know, Ice Cube, you know, has really got a great hit on his hand with this one. That's, you know, it's that summertime. There's not much really going on sports-wise. So right. to have that going on and people can still have basketball, you know, I think it'd be great. Right. Shout out to Ice Cube and to Roger Mason Jr., who's the commissioner and president, who also is from the yeah, sorry about area. That. Yeah, great friend. Yeah. So yep. shout, yeah shout, out to, shout out to that. I mean, it's going to be great. I think it's yes, going to be great. I'm excited to, look, to watch you play in that again, man. Bring it back. Bring it back. Oh, thank yeah, you. Be, thank you. Be yeah, most post. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I've been, I've been, I've been training hard and uh, getting myself right. in shape for it, and uh, I'm ready for it. I'm really excited. Look out for you, man. I'm look out for you. All right, thank We're you, very, thank you. Definitely. We're very excited, and really quick, I want to ask you another question. I think on everybody's mm-hmm. mind: Do you think the Pat Ewing uh-huh. hiring will help to bring back that old Big East basketball, or is that is that era over, Mike? Uh, I don't think the era. I just think the the style of play now is just different, and you know, a lot of us still want that. But just, you know, you watch the NBA, you just watch just basketball in general. Like I, I volunteer coach at um, a high school here, and I just noticed, like, now it's just a lot of athletic guys just running and jumping. And it's just, you know, the grit and the banging and hard fouls. You don't really see that stuff anymore. So it's just the, I just think the overall game is just different all over. So, 
it'll be hard to see that to come back. But maybe like in a Big East tournament, you know, couple, you know, Final Four game or something, you see that type of play because you know guys want it more. But I just think the game has just changed now. Just a lot of just, you know, just athletic running, jumping, and shooting threes. Now it's a different ball game now. Well said. Thank you. Thank All right, you. Mike. Real quick before we transition to the. Uh fan interaction section of the show. You mentioned that you're a high school coach in a local area. I'm a coach as well mm-hmm. at uh, Central High School. So what's co- what school do you coach at? I'm at, I'm at National Christian Academy. I'm not the head coach. I'm one of the assistant coaches there. But I'm at National Christian Academy in uh, Fort Washington, okay, cool. Maryland. All right, we might have to set up a scrimmage uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, we'll have to talk about that <laughs> off the air a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. But, um, we would love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, real quick, we want to transition to the uh, fan interaction section of the uh, show. Uh, basically, we put up a couple mm-hmm. Twitter polls. Uh, the first one I want to hit you with uh, is a poll about Gonzaga. Gonzaga has made it to 15 NCAA tournaments every year since 1999. Can they be considered a top-tier program? Uh, 80% of the fans that responded said yes. So my question is to you. With all their accomplishments lately within the last almost 20 years or so, are they a top-tier program? I would say yes. I mean, the stat says it all right there. Um, I just think because a lot of times when you don't have a lot of star players coming out of your programs, People tend to don't really give you respect, but you know this coach is obviously proven and they're winning. They're like I said, they're in the tournament, even though they haven't gotten the NCAA tournament championship. But you know, you know, stat says it all. I, I, I would I would consider them, you know, a high tier program easily. All right, let's let's switch over to the NBA real quick. Um, I know you're more so mm-hmm. from the old school, you know, where they played a little rougher than they play now. Uh, we had a couple incidents <laughs> last week with JaVale McGee <laughs> and uh, Lance Stevenson. Um, I know I'm not sure if you saw, but uh. JaVale McGee took a three-point shot with his team up, so he got a flagrant foul by Brandon Jennings. He didn't like it. And then later on in the week, Lance Stevenson took an easy layup when they were up by, like, about 13, and the Toronto Raptors didn't like it. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, That's one of those things, like, you know, my first thing, first rule is, uh, hey, you know, if you're getting blown out, don't get blown out. <laughs> but um, <laughs> secondly, like I saw, I didn't see the JaVale McGee one, but I saw the Lance Stevenson, and all he did, he just went in for a layup, and, I didn't see a problem with that. I mean, if he didn't went in and did a windmill crazy dunk or something and try to embarrass him, but he just went in and just laid it up. So I don't really have a problem with it. It's just one of those things, you know, like a coach would say, hey, you know, when you go out there and get your butts kicked, you just, you know, you get what you get. So one of those things, don't get your butt kicking and you won't have to worry about that. That's your validation. <laughs> All right, real quick, let's uh, <laughs> yep. switch it over to Steph Curry. Uh, Steph Curry, he was on ESPN.com list as the best bargain players in the NBA. Uh, do you agree with that? We had a pretty much a split poll 50-50. 50% yes, he said he was a bargain. 50% said no, he wasn't a bargain. So, uh, Mike, I'm going to let you chime in on that. How do you feel about Steph Curry? I mean, at the time when he signed the contract, you know, he had so many injuries. So, you know, the team was kind of conflicted on what to, what to do. So I kind of understand on both parts. But then when you look at what guys are making now, it's like, wow. <laughs> you know, he's like making something that a six-man would make. So he's definitely a bargain right now. But I'm sure in a couple months he will make up for that <laughs> more than more than enough. But he's definitely, he's definitely a bargain price for what you see for what he's making. All right, Kelsey? Yeah, if I was Warriors management right now, I'd be really scared that we have Steph uh, Curry's contract coming up. Uh, for the past two seasons, the Warriors were so lucky to have uh, Steph Curry, who led the NBA in scoring last season, of course, a reigning league MVP, fourth-time NBA All-Star. For a base salary of $12.1 million, that's embarrassing. Um, considering the fact that Steph Curry really now is one of the faces of the league and all the great things that he's done and won a ring for the organization. I mean, it pretty much says it all. They have a bargain with him now, but no, his agent is getting real excited for a contract that's about to be uh, renewed. All right, and real quick, the last uh, last Twitter poll we put up, I definitely think this was a pretty much hot topic. Uh, we had Jerry, They had Jerry West on ESPN the other day. Uh, he said that he preferred to no longer be the NBA logo, which I thought was amazing that he would say something like that. Um, he said, if he were to be replaced, who would you select to be the new logo? Uh, we put up the options of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, of course, and LeBron James. So I'm going to ask you, Mike, uh, the majority of the fans said Michael Jordan, 58%, but we also had some people chime in and say Bill Russell. So who, what's your thoughts on that? Who would you like to be the logo if it's no longer Jerry West? If it's no longer Jerry West, I would have to say Michael Jordan, you know, easily. I mean, for me, in my eyes, he's the greatest of all time. Um, I mean, just there's no really question about it. But I wouldn't change it. I would leave it as Jerry West because I think it would just be weird to see, um, you know, the logo being different. And if you change it to Michael Jordan, it's pretty much now you have the Jumpman logo. So you have the Jordan logo and the NBA logo kind of like being the same thing. So it will be interesting <laughs> to see that happen. 
Yeah, I definitely think it might be some trademark issues involved with that as well. Jordan Brand might want a couple dollars for that. I agree with Michael on this one. I'd love to just see Jerry say, I don't know how you could have a problem with being the logo, especially after he's been it um, for this long. Uh, I do like Michael Jordan, but I do like the facts that you guys brought up. I do like the Bill Russell comment. I mean, there's honestly so many people that have really changed the game. I think you could consider doing. Uh, I, I'm going to pick Wilt Chamberlain, though, but I do like Magic Johnson, too. But I, I'm going to pick Wilt because I really think he changed the game if Jerry were to leave. But I hope they don't change it because I really like it as it is. Man, listen, nobody should be the logo. Don't change a, something that's not broken. Just leave it alone, man. Just leave it alone, man. He's humble. He's a humble guy, but just, man, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Yeah, he, he, it was, the, the interview was kind of awkward. Like, he really seemed uncomfortable being the logo. He just right. he was like, man, I wish they never done it. it. I just thought that was a weird conversation. The way it I went. wonder why it just came out now, though. I don't know. But he's a humble person, you know. He's a humble guy. He doesn't want to be in the spotlight. Yeah, it'll definitely be weird just seeing that right. different logo. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So and how would you even sell the new logo? Like, how are you going to push that? I don't know that people would really want to change. Like, people don't really adapt well to change. So I don't even know if it would sell well. So that's it. Very true. Leave it alone. Don't all right. It. So that was all of our uh, Twitter poll interactions. Um, Mike, did you have anything else you wanted to plug or, or mention or comment on before we get out of here? Um, no, I just want to say uh, just real quick, just thank you for having me on. Um, it's an honor for some of you guys to have me on as your first guest on DMV. So, thank you for being the first, yes. and uh, you guys keep you guys keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate you, man. Big boy. Thank you. Definitely appreciate you, and I I'm definitely going to email you about that scrimmage. We're going to have to set that up just to see you know <laughs> see where you guys are. Right? Okay, most well, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, man. Thank you. No, man. thank you. You guys have a good one. All right, James Kelsey, man. We had two guests on one show. I think we did pretty good. This is this was an amazing show. A lot of energy, a lot of good information, a lot of conversational pieces. So, what do you guys think, James? It was great. Definitely amazing show. You know, it was it was good. You know, a little a little, little interaction. You know, I wasn't too hard on the shade today. You know, what I mean, I was I was pretty pretty good on it. You know, I like to give myself a pat in the back. You know, but I you know it was a great day, guys. You know, a great Sunday. You know, feeling good. Weather's good. I'm gonna be honest. The it. one thing that I'm gonna take away from this show over everything else is the fact that everyone thinks Kelsey is crazy for picking scene Hall going to the NCAA. <laughs> oh my gosh! Again, <laughs> I don't feel was, like I was picking on her. Spontaneous bracket. But you know what? I will say I'm away. excited. I'm excited that you guys had somebody from the DMV come on to educate you guys real quick. It was nice to have some backup because everybody else has been from New York. And big thanks to Robert for making time. He's on the West Coast, and we know he has to wake up probably a little bit early this Sunday to get with us. But it was a great show. We're excited to have them on and. Hopefully we can have them back on. Yo, Ray. Definitely, definitely. They, yeah, what's up? Yo, seeing the hall. Yo, that, that, that puts you in like, a, okay. like a, the eighth wonder of the world, like, Kelsey. Like, girl, like, <laughs> they, say, they say I was trying to be bold this year, you guys. I was. I wanted an upset. I was tired of seeing people in the break, the right? wonder of the world. Seton Hall. Kelsey. All right. Oh. Time to go. <laughs> well, Kelsey, don't feel bad. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get some backlash for saying oh, the Bulls are going to be Cleveland in the first round. Oh, my so it's God. All good. You'll feel my pain. <laughs> yeah, so don't even worry about it. But pretty much that's it for this show. We definitely want to appreciate everybody that uh, tuned in, whether it be on the live stream or you're going to check us out later in the week on iTunes. Uh, we thank everyone, all our guests for calling in, Robert Little of Black Sports Online, as well as Mike Sweetney, the former Georgetown legend, now playing in the big three. Uh, we appreciate you guys calling in. And make sure you guys check us out on all our social media platforms. That's Twitter, Instagram, at Threes of Crowd Sports. And then on Facebook, Threes of Crowd with the uh, asterisk next to the S. Make sure you guys check us out on our personal accounts as well. The other Ray J, Kelsey. At the Real K. Nelson. And James. Hippington, Hippington. <laughs> he always says it really super weird. It's kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate you. And we are out of here. Episode 15, Legacy Episode. Peace. Bye. R.I.P. to the competition. Step, step, step coming